Good day. You're listening to Radio Alhara. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. It is January 2023, and I'm sharing my monthly artist interview here on Radio Alhara. I share a new conversation on the first Friday of each month. I'm based in Geogiage, Montreal, and I'm happy to contribute to Radio Alhara in Palestine. On the broadcast today, I'm going to be sharing a conversation with three artists, Aaron Hughes, Amber Ginsberg, and Nathan Sandberg, uh, who together created a project called Remaking the Exceptional. It's a process and a, and a project that looks at the artwork and imaginaries of people who are imprisoned in Guantanamo Bay. One of the descriptions of this initiative is tea, torture, and reparations. It's been exhibited in different places in the United States, including the DePaul Art Museum. This is a amazing project. I'd encourage people to check it out at t-project.org. I wanted to speak to them about how this came together, um, the activism that drove this initiative and their collective work on creating remaking the exceptional here's our conversation thanks for tuning in and i'll talk to you next month hi everybody thanks so much for being here i can tell that this project took a lot of time uh, and also one thing i really appreciated was how this project speaks to a very mu very much unresolved point in recent american history um, and the, when, I, when I talk about unresolved, I, I realize that there's an expansive uh, array of issues that you address. However, you do talk about Guantanamo and you do talk about uh, imprisonment in relation to that, but also on a more systemic level, uh, bringing it also to the local context where you all live in Chicago. Um, so in recent years, there's been a lot of talk about the prison industrial complex, about systemic racism in the United States, and that has really advanced in a, in a lot of ways, uh, connecting to a whole new generation of people that have been expressing um, critiques, opposition, mobilization, activism to address these systemic points of violence. Um, often we don't see a translation into actual policy change at this point, um, but there's been a, a big shift towards a mainstreaming of the critiques. Those critiques haven't taken shape in terms of actual systemic change. Um, so what I wanted to m maybe start with, um, because you talk also about the war on terror and Guantanamo, is that this issue, um, which is obviously connected to systemic imprisonment in the United States and the prison industrial complex, has really faded from the headlines. And I really appreciated that interconnection that you draw between those two points of systemic violence and also the ways that communities and individuals are responding. So I'd really love to hear from all of you about that interconnection because maybe for some people it seems obvious, but for a lot of sort of mainstream framing of the situation of prisoners, a connection to the quote-unquote war on terror and imprisonment without trial and indefinite detention in Guantanamo, maybe that's not the most obvious connection point. So why was that important for you to draw out, both on a political level, but also through the stories that you tell um, 
uh, in this piece. So I'll start with, with you, Amber, um, if you could just maybe share any reflections around that and briefly also all of you, if you could just introduce yourself and your practice. Thank you so much. My name's Amber Ginsberg. I live and work in Chicago as an artist and teacher. Um, <clears throat> thank you for that question. It's very broad. And usually Aaron answers first uh, in this case um, because, you know, Aaron's connection to the global war on terror is very direct. It's very personal. Um, and I'm sure he will talk about his experience as, um, you know, shining, signing up for the National Guard and finding himself in Kuwait and Iraq. Um, I come at it also um, as um, a person who had children um, during the, um, you know, lead up to the global war, what we now call the global war on terror, um, which was then um, framed as uh, an invasion. And, um, you know, my my children and the students that I teach, they know no other reality than living under the political consequences that enter into our daily lives from those decisions. Um, the way in which we, um, our phones track our behavior, um, the way in which we think about traveling or um, you know, going on a vacation, even the most pleasurable aspects of our lives um, are really on a very daily way connected to all of the technologies that we live with from the wars that we have been funding. And that includes anxiety about the climate and student debt. It can just keep sort of going out and out and out. But I think your question um, about Guantanamo um, and there's so many ways to answer that, but my closest and most personal connection to Guantanamo is um, through a love story. It's through how um, artwork can change the way in which we, the way that we connect to humans, one human to another. Um, and, you know, Aaron's good buddy, Chris Arendt, was also signed up for the National Guard and uh, became, a, a, became a guard in Guantanamo. And as part of his job, his work, and he said, you know, he only likes to work the night shift because during the day he would just want to apologize to all the men there. Um, he would serve a meal, and when he would retrieve the trays, the cups, the styrofoam cups, were just drawn all over, all over with nothing but flowers. And he talks about falling in love with those flowers. And and since that time, you know, Aaron and I have been working on this project for 10 years. Our connection to these lived experiences inside Guantanamo <clears throat> was were primarily through guards and officials who were speaking out. 
And that has really changed in the last 10 years. Um, and now Mansoor Daifi talks about the worst night in one of the one of the worst nights in Guantanamo was the A team coming out with the dogs and the guns and the pepper spray and all of it saying, what's your escape plan? What's your escape plan? What's your escape plan? Which was a beautiful poem written on a styrofoam cup about dreaming of being outside, about dreaming of freedom. And I think that the fact that an aspiration to dream of freedom can trigger the entire military apparatus, that it can create such fear, that imagination of another state of being can be so powerful to trigger these responses that then connects to the kind of imagination that is happening around the abolition movement in Chicago. The kind of dreaming of an absolutely different state of being um, that does not include always living under how we think about security and policing. And it's these, these moments where people can dream that that pose, I think, in some senses, the most beautiful threats that we have. And then I'll just say one last bit, which is that circles back to real change that can happen from dreaming. When Joey Mogul, who was, has been working with Chicago police torture survivors, through, who's also an artist and an activist, dreams up reparations. What would reparations in Chicago look like? And maps that out in very concrete ways. This is exactly what happened. This is, and, and this is exactly what recompense and reparations and reconciliation can look like, um, which became the Chicago Torture Justice Memorial's reparations banner which then in 2017 became the Chicago Reparations Ordinance that was legally binding by the city council. And there's still always a lot to fight and dream for under all those things, but you have to dream it before you can work towards it. Respect, respect. That's very uh, awesome to hear all these interconnections and your reflections, uh, Amber, thanks so much. Next is Nate. Um, so, um, if you could share a bit about your involvement in this project and maybe also build on some of the points that Amber shared and also just, um, taking into consideration that people who are listening to this are learning about some of these issues in relation to Chicago. And there'll be some people who have followed some of the campaigning points around abolition and reparations, uh, in the U S broadly, but in Chicago, but maybe aren't, um, tracking, how that actually translates in regards to activism. I came into this project um, in that very same boat. My name is Nate Sandberg, by the way. Um, I'm an artist and sound designer um, and composer based out of Chicago. I came to this project uh, very fresh. And Aaron and Amber have been working on this, you know, for 10 years now with their T project and, and have been involved in these issues very deeply. Um, 
And I came at it from just an artist who was collaborating with them, basically. Um, so the the process of hearing these interviews uh, with all of these survivors was really an educational opportunity for me as well. And and I got thrown into um, sort of the the um, the way that all these ideas are sort of weaving together. And um, I had I had grown up hearing about Guantanamo, obviously, and and I'd followed the news about it and things like that. But you really don't get a good sense of what's happening there until you hear the stories of the people that are there, are interacting and 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 um, being oppressed by our government. And then uh, the weaving of uh, the, the survivors from Chicago into that really just sort of shows you this. Um, I mean, the whole title of the project is this is not exceptional. Our country has been doing this to people in all different walks of life for a long time. And so um, and so I, I think my point of view, I thought of this as like this is this is the way most people are going to be coming to this project. Um, they're listening to this podcast, not really understanding the the background behind all of it. And so it was my goal to really try to sort of um, build out that narrative and, and, and educate people and show them what's been happening. Um, and the job was honestly quite easy because the, the interviews and the the people that they interviewed were just so, um, so engaging, so knowledgeable. So, um, their stories are just, uh, so heartfelt and beautiful. And so, and, and they, interwove so wonderfully together. Uh, one of the questions that um, Amber and Aaron asked uh, was basically like, if it was a, a Chicago police torture survivor, they'd ask, uh, how do you think um, your experience relates to people in Guantanamo and vice versa? And I think to a T, every single one of those people said literally the words, it's exactly the same. What they're going through is exactly the same as what we went through. And then they would expound on that and talk about how um, the experiences that they have just overlap constantly. And and when we were able to um, get them talking to each other in Zoom uh, calls and things like that, the same themes came up over and over again, where um, this is not about, you know, U.S. citizens versus uh, people out there in the world. This is this is happening to all these different people. And it's a, it's a problem. It's a human problem. It has nothing to do with the borders or boundaries in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think that was one of the most powerful, um, themes that came out of all of this. Um, and yeah, I, I feel very honored to be part of this. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I think, that's about all I'll say now. I'll let Aaron fill in all the holes. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. Um, so, Aaron, I know you from Just Seeds Artist Cooperative and your work uh, with Iraq Veterans Against the War. Um, and when I heard about this project, um, I was really, um, to be honest with you, very impressed by the scope and uh, the also the tonality and the shaping that you did with all these stories and your collaborators. Um, so yeah, if, if you could briefly introduce yourself and maybe build on some of the points that were shared by Amber and Nate, 
I think one thing that was clear was this sort of push towards uh, and more intersectional understanding of these systemic points of violence. Um, that obviously speaks to a lot of different aspects of your work in relation to this project, but also more broadly. Yeah, um, thanks, uh, Stefan, for having us on. Um, Aaron Hughes, um, yeah, artist here in Chicago, part of the Just Seeds Artist Cooperative, member of About Face Veterans Against the War. And, um, you know, just following up off of everything that's been said, you know, there's a way that, um, there's a way that people can feel very alone and isolated in their struggles. And, you know, that's something we heard over and over again by the Chicago police torture survivors was that they felt like people didn't believe them. And, you know, I think people in the heart of struggle often feel like they're not heard or seen. And, you know, this was all about creating and imagining a space where people that have been just some of the most impacted individuals just totally targeted by the security carceral state where they um, can see each other. And that, that breaks through that isolation and creates this moment and this opportunity for solidarity. And really that's what's at the crux of this project is can we create space for solidarity to see through all the ways that we are imagined uh, by the security carceral state and divided by that and through that create opportunities for people to connect, see one another, be heard by one another and build connections. And it's really an honor to get to be a part of creating space for those kind of connections through this podcast. And, you know, we set the first podcast inside um, a painting by Bader, who's currently still imprisoned in Guantanamo, extra legally. And, um, even though he's been cleared for cleared for release, he's still there, and um, it's a um, a place setting for tea, but no one's there. And when we talked to his lawyer about it, um, his lawyer said, "Well, he fills these place settings of tea with all his friends, imagining his friends and his family over for tea." And you know, we just we kind of were so inspired by this idea of imagining this gathering that we wanted to create a space to imagine bringing these voices together um, to create that space of potential solidarity. The image of the gathering for exchange, sharing tea. Um, so maybe we'll just go back to you, Aaron, and then to Nate, and then finish with Amber. Um, can you get into that a little bit more? Um, because you do hear that in the piece. You hear about this uh, idea of the gathering uh, for um, exchange. And, but it's actually coming out of real, a real story or imagined um, field of uh, possible exchange in the context of freedom that obviously is not there in Guantanamo. Just uh, when you talk about Badr, can you go a bit more into his story and why that's that was an important starting point to talk about like these more systemic issues? Well, I think it goes back to what Amber was saying is, 
what is the imagination of freedom? And I think that goes back to this idea of being connected and being in solidarity, being in relationship, being connected to your friends, your family. And when you can't have that, how do you imagine it? You know, how do you imagine that for future generations? How do you imagine that for your friends, for your family? And that's what Bader was doing, was he was imagining that gathering, that connection, that community. And, you know, that opportunity to actually listen and hear and be seen and to see one another is something that's, you know, again, like we're continuously, um, you know, we talked about the global war on terror as if it's something so different from the violence of police brutality here um, in our city. And, you know, uh, Angela Davis points out that, you know, all the technologies of the police state, of the carceral state, are what informs these kind of um, uh, the Guantanamos, the Abu Ghraibs. It is the daily acts of violence that inform and create possible these uh, assumed spaces of uh, the extraordinary. And, um, you know, we often imagine it the other way around. And when we look at these small acts of violence, or I don't want to call them small, that's not, that's not accurate. The, these daily acts of violence um, and how they become normalized, you know, we begin to find, and how that isolates individuals, we begin to find space to, to um, if by seeing those experiences, hearing those experiences about one another, by creating space for the Chicago police torture survivors to connect with the Guantanamo survivors, there's this moment to resist that and um, highlight the connections, not just of the violence, but of the resistance, um, of the resilience, of the imagination of justice. And I think that's what we're trying to highlight is those moments of connection. We started early on talking about how we were going to frame all these episodes. Um, And we had lots of different ideas on how we could do it. And we always settled back on this idea of of sitting down for tea, um, because obviously that's been such a huge part of Aaron's work and Amber's work and this entire project. Um, and we, and we always kept coming back to the idea of framing things around these different images, uh, these different artworks. Um, and, and I think this, this sort of framing of each episode as an imaginary tea gathering inside of a painting or a drawing of some sort, um, helped us sort of focus uh, these different stories and, and sort of force them together in a way that can't necessarily happen in real life. Um, it just through technology, it couldn't happen, but also because of all the constraints that have been put on these people, it can't happen. Um, and it, which I think is very interesting just from working through this project uh, and learning about sort of the tea itself and all of the contradictory ideas and and um, sort of forces that go into tea as a thing itself. 
um, I think it felt like the, the perfect frame for these ideas to come together, interact and sort of lift each other up, but also feel that, that same sense of struggle and tension that, that tea as a concept has as well. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think bringing all these voices into that space and, and I, from a technical point of view and sound design point of view, I really wanted as much as I could to try to put these people into that space and make it feel like they're talking. Um, I think at, at different times it works in some ways, in some ways it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but I think the concepts exist in those spaces and, um, and I think they, it becomes sort of this powerful news story. Um, so, yeah. So much to say. Let me just uh, start with, um, you know, each episode is set in a different painting. And um, I think that one of the reasons it was important for us to frame this in something comforting and familiar like sitting around having a cup of tea um, is that um, it it is these everyday acts as Aaron was saying these sort of everyday uh, sort of chipping away at um, our freedoms uh, that's not the right word cancel that word chipping away of, of uh, a sort of our um, of our everyday um, possibilities of living outside of um, a particular kind of observance by the state and in some ways um, you know ideas of the home or ideas of conviviality um, or social, or even the tea shop or the coffee shop where people meet and talk about ideas um, is a part of the history of social movements. Um, you have to come together and um, work stuff out. And, um, but, but the materials, as Nate says, you know, tea um, is the first corporation was the East India Tea Company. You know, the way in which we, um, our food is made and um, the way that it's commodified comes out of the corporation of which tea is the first. So how do we hold the genuine contradictions in our lives and look very clearly at exactly what is happening and has happened um, in our cities and in our um, foreign policy and in our military. How do we look at that and make those connections, but also tell the stories that are even, if Guantanamo is now, as you say, Stefan, not very well known, the stories of resistance, of the actual resistance of actual beautiful um, things that happen from these places which are set aside as exceptional, those are the stories that are even less well-known. And so each episode is set in a painting, an extraordinary painting, a beautiful painting created 
um, by artists in Guantanamo. And they are artists as well as um, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters, the full human capacities that to imagine and dream. That is what's exceptional, that that will to be that, to, to make those spaces of beauty. That's what's exceptional. And those are the stories that we're also trying to connect with. And that's also true that there are poems uh, in, the, in the episode. And so it, it's, it's these sites of, you know, historic coffee shops and gatherings and, move, and the way resistance is built. And that art has always accompanied movements. Um, that um, we did not want to separate that, prof- that really genuinely profound creativity that is at the bedrock, really, of these imaginings. So the structure of the episodes, we hope, reflect that. <laughs> 